and welcome to the Raw Conversations Exploring the Unspoken Realities podcast. I am your host, Mirna Rivera, so let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Mirna Rivera, and today I am super excited to be having a conversation with a client of mine and my stigma sister. (laughs) There's an interesting story about that, Um, but I am going to allow her to introduce herself so that you guys can hear a little bit about her before we start our conversation. Hi, I'm Elena, and I am one of Mirna's clients, and we have been working very hard for over a year now, so we have lots of Lots of conversations that we could probably dive into. So, yeah. And for the sake of this conversation, we, she hasn't told me what we're going to talk about because the intent is for these conversations to be raw Mm -hmm. and as unscripted as possible so that you guys can get the best piece of it and take away um, what's useful to you. So would you like to tell us what you're going to talk about today? Uh, Yes. So you had asked me to think about what I feel like was the most useful thing from coaching, Mm. what tool, what strategy, what did I get that seemed to help me the most? I love it. I love it. Tell me. So without my answer, (laughs) my answer is that really the biggest thing that you have guided me towards is being able to regain my power and hear my own voice. I love that so much. I just got goosebumps. That's beautiful because I love that you said guided. Yes. Because the whole process has been about guiding you towards you and not telling you how to find the path. Yes. Cause when I first started, I was how, tell me how, give me all the answers and I will just do those things and it'll make it better. And you were like, no, that's not that simple. <laughs> and so through the process, I did trust the process and, you know, being able to listen to myself and find my voice and what is truly me was a game changer. And it allowed me to, in any situation with any topic, to be able to ask myself, what do I think? What do I believe? And once I realized what those things were in any given situation, I didn't have any shame, any guilt, any doubt about what my reaction was, Mm -hmm. but with the openness of, I could be wrong sometimes and be able to learn from those experiences. Mm. I love this so much. And I'm just basking in the excitement of how beautifully you put those words, because I've always said to you, I love your brain. Lena has a brilliant brain, by the way, and I love it so much. And that's probably one of the main reasons I'm having this conversation with her is because I want everyone to hear it and for her to really, really believe it. And I'm sure she does now at this point, but I do now. (laughs) 
And I love a that. Minute, but yeah, I mean, it does. It takes time. And what do you think has, I have so many questions as that comes up. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation. Away. <laughs> but what do you think was the hardest part of being able to accomplish that? The sit and wait part. So, and what I mean by that is that, you know, when we see a problem and we feel uncomfortable with it, and I'm speaking for me and not the general we, but yeah, <laughs> um, when I felt uncomfortable or, and I felt like I needed to fix something, I was full of anxious energy. Mm-hmm. Just what can I do to fix it? Let me just find a temporary solution to at least just ease the anxiousness. And that never helped. So it was the the sit and wait and see what comes to you and what feels natural or what you feel like really speaks to what you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and then follow through with it versus trying to force myself into fixing something that just made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because we come from the, um, it's, it's a societal thing where we're socialized to think that if there's something that's off, we need to go fix it so we can get rid of what feelings and things are coming up within us. And it's nice It's nice to bring this piece up because I recently was going through a situation myself and I told someone that I was sad. And they're like, don't be sad. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Don't be sad. And it's because we're so conditioned to help people feel better and that's just not what we need sometimes. Sometimes we just need to sit with the sadness because the situation that I was going through did merit for me to be sad. Correct. So um, I, I believe that is a huge factor in learning these things and being able to apply the tools once the hurry up and wait can um, take take a back seat. You, you take it from the VIP session and you put it to the back seat. Right. <laughs> And, you know, the, the speaking of the, of the feeling and, and tell, you know, somebody telling you not to be sad, that's not for your benefit. That's for theirs. So again, it's just that when other people feel uncomfortable about a situation, then they need to fix it for themselves. But then they're telling you that, Hey, my feelings need to be comforted. So then that way you stop feelings. Preach, sister, preach. I'm telling you, she has a brilliant brain. And it and it is true. People want to make you feel better so that they can feel better because they're mm-hmm. uncomfortable with their own emotions. Therefore, they're not comfortable with your emotions. So if they can make that go away, then we can all feel better. Right. Which in essence comes doesn't help like the feeling bad, right? Yeah. Um, another question that I actually have for you is when you started the process. How do you think your trust with yourself at waiting and following through with what you thought was at? Uh, zero. <laughs> yes, because when I asked the question earlier, the, the first question that came up was, um, how what was the most difficult? And see how me as a coach, I say, I tell them all the time, right, Elena? I'm like, please correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what I'm thinking that's coming up for you. Or this is what I think I hear you saying. And you're like, yes. And you're like, and then sometimes you'd be like, nope, that's not it. Is, is 
when I asked the question was, I thought you were going to, you were going to say trusting myself to do those things or trusting myself to wait. Yeah. And it wasn't. No. How was the trusting yourself process for you? It was extremely difficult, um, especially at first, because the struggles that I had were trying to live at everyone else's expectations and through their their thoughts and emotions and things like that and very people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore it took everything away from me. So me trusting what I thought and felt went against what I had lived. And so uh, because I was taught not directly, but through actions and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, that I shouldn't trust what I think and feel that somebody else's opinion was more um, valid. Mm-hmm. And so being able to regain that trust in myself, it was scary. I didn't, I didn't trust myself to stick to any changes or, to even follow through with it. And that's why I was like begging at first, like, <laughs> tell me what to do. And, um, because it felt more comfortable for somebody to tell me how to be, what to do, what to eat, what to, you know, what to think, what to say. And, um, and it, it was scary because I always thought I was wrong. So, yeah. um, being able to give myself opportunities to see that I could trust myself. And that was a big thing through the sit and wait period was that by allowing myself to just kind of sit in it and just do what I felt was natural helped me gain that momentum to learn to trust myself again. So like little examples, you know, over time, of, Hey, you made that right choice. You, you did what you were supposed to do and it was okay. You didn't struggle with yourself internally, mm-hmm. to make that decision to change something or to not do something. And it turned out okay. And that was a big process that kind of got me a little bit farther along the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think it ke- it's kept your continuation of life going because it's not starting over. It's really just evolving and continuing on to the life that you have created for yourself and making more deliberate decisions for it. Yes. Um, for the sake of the listeners, we gave her brain little tidbits. When the brain was asking for how, we kind of let's, we, it's not, you can't just take away things from the brain and keep going and say, oh no, we're not going to give you anything and just keep going. Part of the process is just taking one step at a time and giving tidbits. So where I would say, we're not giving your brain this answer, but we would say, Hey, let's give the brain a little something so that it can chew on while it waits. Would you say that's accurate? Yes. And it helped because again, then my anxiety wasn't feeling like I was helpless, feeling like I wasn't trying or doing things, being very action oriented at first, Um, you know, feeling like I wasn't doing anything made me feel very hopeless. So having those little tidbits and those little pieces where I felt like I was doing something 
helped ease the transition through. Yeah. And also for the sake of the listeners too, um, we talk about right and wrong. What is right and wrong? Who said that and who made up the rules, right? Right. There is no right or wrong. So the rights and everything, the decisions that you made were right for who? For me. Yes. And they were very conscious. So that was another big shift was just being able to be more conscious about the decisions that I was making and the reactions that I was having and the thoughts that I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And I would sit and ask myself, you know, which one do you choose? Do you choose to stay over here where it's angry or uncomfortable, or do you want to choose to focus on happy and calm and things like that? So I would try to really consciously shift whatever those thoughts were to where I really wanted to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's important also to note that we increased your capacity to sit with those emotions when they did come up and shift them, give them different language from they're not negative emotions, they're strong emotions. <laughs> Can we sit with them and increase your capacity for those? Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, we did. And it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. It was it was not comfortable because as soon as you got into it and not being able to comfortably regulate my emotions, um, they were strong and, you know, teetering on a spiral and it was scary. And, uh, but again, through time and baby steps, and sometimes it felt again, that there was no progress being made. Mm-hmm. Now looking back, it was always progress. Mm-hmm. Every little bit was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause validating the space that you were in at the time. And we'll, we'll probably bring something up on the podcast later on about this. Shifting your emotions that are current for better emotions was not an option. Right. Um, it, what Elena meant before was what is she focusing on? If, and I don't want to put words in yes. your mouth, what, no, what yes. I'm focusing on the most, um, because we don't shift those emotions for the positive ones because it, it doesn't work. They come back and they smack you in the face 10 times harder, which I call that, um, people call that resistance. And I call it, Hey, it's compounding of emotions because when you ignore what's happening and you try to put something on top that doesn't fit, it just blows up your box. Right. Yeah. So I love it. I'm I'm still basking in the um, let's celebrate all these moments because she has worked really hard. I say that this work is for people that are brave. And um, by that, I don't mean if you don't feel brave, don't do it. It's just taking your power back from all the little places where you've left that your power. And I think that you're sitting in your power and I've just enjoyed watching you, your growth. It has been the highlight of why I do the work that I do is just seeing your growth and seeing the, the way that, yeah, like it's hard, but at the same time is gratifying. Yeah. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I think that, you know, Finding you was 
a definite key to opening that door. I have tried other therapy and, you know, finding the right person that you can actually put your trust in Mm. to allow for that safe space is there's no words to express how significant having that is. And, um, you know, not saying that the other people that I have tried to reach out to, to help me with some of these struggles and things like that, haven't been very good. They were extremely good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but the, the approach and the, how we meshed in terms of being able to find that trust and safety yeah. was huge. And so for anybody that's listening, that's looking for that, if, even if you've tried other people and tried therapy and feel like it's still cycling, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really is a matter of finding the person that can find the right approach and speak to you Mm -hmm. on a deep soul level that allows you to finally be able to open up and move through those, those pieces. Thank you. I love that. That's great. Um, This is a great moment. Thank you. I really do appreciate all of that because it is a lot about finding the person that you connect with. I'm, I'm not for everyone and that's okay. I will connect and make a connection and be for that person that is for me and I'm for them. And by all means, we're not saying therapy doesn't work. Please don't take that way. We're, oh, yeah, we're no. yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. What we're, what we're saying here, and I'll say this therapy and coaching help together. And the difference between the two is I work with humans that are at baseline. Baseline is when you're able to get up, you go to work and you are living your life, yet you still feel like there's something missing. Under that is where therapy comes in. Baseline, under baseline is where you're not functioning at your human level. You're, you do get up to go to work sometimes, but you have other types of things coming up for you where it's just the depression and all those clinical um, medical terms come up. I work above baseline, which is you can go to therapy and I've had clients that have had therapy and coaching together and the therapist and the coach both know what's happening and communicate with the client and with each other if need be so that the person can get what they need. So I just wanted to make that clarification, um, but also I just really want to commend Elena for all the work that she has done. She has a brilliant mind mm-hmm. and um, she's actually a doctor. She didn't even say that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to say that because she had, she also worked really hard to get that. So I'm mm-hmm. super proud of her and the work that she has done, but most importantly is she's proud of it. She's living within her power. I'd look like you want to say something, go ahead, please. I was going to say, and it doesn't make me selfish or, you know, like egotistical or anything like that. And I know that a lot of people think that being humble about yourself is more desirable, but mm. it's not, mm. not anymore for me. Ooh, so, I mean, a, there's, there's a podcast in the works for the humbleness, <laughs> but <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so I think that, you know, knowing who you are and and loving who you are is doesn't stop you 
from still being humble in a way that you're still empathetic and you're still, you know, a human. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't put you into a category of it's a bad trait, right? All of these things are still on a spectrum and it's, you know, loving yourself and being proud of yourself is, is not a negative. No, it's not. And it's not selfish at all. Selfish. That was a big one that I had to overcome because <laughs> I, had, I had that, yeah. that stigma of <laughs> the, <laughs> <my sister. laughs> um, that, you know, being able to brag about yourself and being able to, you know, be comfortable and proud of who you are without trying to hide it away was, it was frowned upon mm-hmm. to be able to be proud of yourself. And I'm, you know, I've, it was a, it was a struggle to get there. Yeah. But you made it you're, and you're still, it's a working progress. Things come up and show us where we need to do the work. And right. we just go ahead and we, we decide if we want to do it. We decide if we want to keep that or if we want to dispose of it, because now we're making decisions from a powerful place, which is our yes. self. And I'm a, I'm big about learning and exploring and, uh, you know, openly curious about things. And even with myself still in this process is still evolving and, you know, learning about me and learning about what I think about my environment and all of the things, you know, it's, it's never ending. Mm-hmm. And, and in my opinion, once you feel like you've learned everything, then you're just stuck. You, there's no, there's no room for change. So I'm, I'm a huge supporter of constant lifelong learning yep. and evolving. Yep. I, I can agree with you on that because we are constantly learning. I've learned so much from you just to say I've, and again, I guided the process guide. I didn't do any of the work for her. I watched her work hard to get to where she was going to get to. And some days we're just like, Ooh, the brain is like, that was simple. Her brain was like, no, we're not doing that. That's so simple. I was like, no, Elena, it is that simple. It, but it can't be. So it's not that it's an easy process. It's not that it's a, it, it's, it's not linear. Right. And it's different for everyone. So, um, but it, but it, but we, we become brave through the process and see how, um, we doing the work for ourselves gets us there. And she talked about loving herself a lot, which we have a future podcast that's going to talk about, you know, self, self love, self healing, self, 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 many things. Um, but to end this one, I just want to say that I had this conversation with Elena on here because a lot of people, like a lot of humans think that they just can't accomplish certain things. And when we say hard, it's so hard. The brain like shuts, (laughs) the brain shuts down. Language is super important for the brain. So it's like, when you say hard, it's like, oh, shut the door. We're not doing that anymore. Fuck this. (laughs) We're out. (laughs) Um, It's so that her before, she was a brilliant human in her before, and she's a brilliant human now. She just up-leveled her relationship with herself. She's back to listening to herself. She's paying attention to what her needs are. And she's not expecting the external world to f- feed those needs. She does that on her own. Um, 
And you can do that too. It we're just all different. It takes difference. Some, some people need to go to the therapist. And a lot of times when therapy is not working, I say, Hey, listen, you might want to talk to a trauma informed therapist. Um, maybe they can dig deeper into what's happening with you. And then you can combine that work with, um, I'm a big, like, what is that word, Elena component? What is it? (laughs) I say supporter. (laughs) I always mess it up. (laughs) That's an easy one. See simple. I'm a huge supporter of therapy, but I also know that therapy can be, um, triggering to some people and even re-traumatizes the human. So I, 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 I am very aware of that happening. So um, is there anything that you want to say to the listeners before? I do want to add on to what you said. So one of the things that you always told me from the start was that, because I wanted to work on 10 different things at the same time and, you know, fix all of my problems. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you always told me was, is like, your life and your brain is like a cluttered house and you have to take it room by room. But as you declutter one room, some of those things get organized in another room. I love so it. You're, <laughs> I love so it. even though you're taking it room by room, you're still affecting all aspects. And I never believed that. Yeah, you probably when I was like in it. Was crazy. It was so hard <laughs> to be like, how am I working over here? And it's supposed to help me over here. And I never got it, but now I do because now I see how I'm able to make decisions and how I'm able to critically think through the process, whether it be with my family, with my kids, with my work, with, you know, just social relationships. I'm able to think through all of those things much differently now, whereas I thought that they were all very separate problems. And it was all really based on how my brain was trying to fix all of those things. But taking that cluttered house and starting to organize it definitely does help all of the areas in your life. I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you for being vulnerable and coming on here with me and talking to our listeners and giving them the few tidbits. If you guys have any questions, I will put the email on the resources. If you guys have any comments or anything that you would like help on, just send them over and we will definitely help you. I'll see you guys next time. Say bye, Elena. Bye. Bye, bye Stigma sister. We'll bye, have that story you. one day. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to tell them that story at some point. <laughs> I know I thought about doing it on the closing, but we'll do it next time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye.